All right, we're going to go on and get started because we are at time. Service runs a little longer when it's just me. And Trent's not there to pass out those. He is, uh, he always takes Thanksgiving and always takes Christmas, or uh, the week after Christmas. So he always takes Thanksgiving off. He's in Texas. He was on TV in Texas. He, uh, he went to a restaurant called The Big Texan. And it was on, his sister put it on Facebook, the, the clip. And he, he's standing with his grandmother. And he says, this is the first year we haven't had uh, lunch at my grandmother's house. And she just turned 88. And she looks at him like, you just told my age on the, on, on the news. It is hilarious. It is so funny. All right. Uh, this is the live nativity flyer. Elaine has some. We would love for you to take them and pass them out to your friends or to your favorite coffee shop or a local bulletin board, whatever it is. Uh, if you are not in the, the, uh, the production or helping out with parking or with greeting or whatever it is, number one, there's still time to sign up to help out. Number two, um, if you're not helping out, you should be thinking about who you're going to bring. And so be thinking about who we'd like to invite on the 10th and then who we'd like to come back with on the 11th. Um, this is a great opportunity. It's like the easiest evangelism thing ever. So just, uh, just all you got to do is stand in line and walk around the grounds and it sells itself. So um, just invite them to come with you because you're coming. Uh, so make plans to do that. Not this coming weekend, but the following, the 10th and the 11th, Friday and Saturday. All right. My coffee and my Bible, which are like two of the most important things in my life. Okay. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word which is both living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we pray, God, that it would pierce us today as we, as, we, as we go through this very difficult, very familiar, but very difficult passage in the Sermon on the Mount. We just ask, God, that you would take your word and pierce our hearts and make us more like yourself. We thank you that you have paid the price for where we have fallen short and where we've done the wrong things for the right reasons and the right things for the wrong reasons, we thank you, Lord, that your sacrifice paid it all. But we want to be like you. And so, God, we, may, we pray that you would help us to live in such a way that our personal and intimate relationship with you is like your word, living and active. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, I don't know about you, but it was a little uncomfortable for me. Uh, <laughs> It was. Uh, we went through the section where it says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. So you have heard it said, do not murder, but I say to you, if you even hate uh, your neighbor, then uh, you are guilty of, of murder. And so, uh, but we got, it was uncomfortable because we talked about issues of, um, of adultery and marriage and justice and where we draw the line at who we're willing to love and it was for me anyway, a little uncomfortable. I don't like I don't like making people uncomfortable, and so that's why I was uncomfortable. There are these were deeply personal issues because Jesus is saying that our faith is a matter of the heart, not just a matter of external behavior. 
And so we got way beyond issues of do and do not, right? Do, do this, do not do that. We got into issues of be and don't be, right? Be this and don't be that. And, and we even saw that our decisions have deep implications for other people. Well, this is something that we try to teach our children, right? It doesn't, you know, your decision doesn't just affect you. But we also have to learn it all our life long. Because um, we, we are our, the center of our own universe. So we finished last week with the ultimate loophole closer. Uh, Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. And if you hadn't uh, already bowed out at that point, that was when we all bowed out. Um, Jesus takes the law's demands to the highest pitch, the very highest pitch. It's, it is, the law becomes uh, insurmountable. I mean, it was already insurmountable. He just pointed out. We thought we could get everywhere we can. It becomes unscalable. And he does not swoop in and say, see, you need a Savior, and I'm just the Savior you need. That's probably what I would have done. I would have finished Finish the sermon right there. But he's a better preacher than me. And so, thanks be to God. And so, um, so what he does, he doesn't take all the pressure off. He, he still leaves us in that despair, be perfect. But he does change how we think as he goes forward, changes how we think about the application of our faith. Because it's a matter of the heart. He doesn't solve the despair of the law exactly, but he does reorient how we think about the application of our faith, at least his original audience. Now, we talk uh, a lot around here, I talk a lot, about a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. That's our mission statement. The Church of Our Savior exists to help people, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I unashamedly have a, a fairly evangelical background, uh, and that language I'm very familiar with and very comfortable with. Some folks around aren't quite as comfortable with that. But this passage that we have today, verses six, uh, chapter six, one through eighteen, really I think speaks about our personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, particularly, especially and with God the Father, we understand the Trinity, that the Father and the Son are in one accord. And so we can talk about a relationship with Jesus. We don't mean that we don't have a relationship with the Father. Excuse me. But, um, so this section speaks to that relationship. And I don't, I'd actually like to do a little more research on it, but I, I would uh, imagine that what Jesus was saying would have really been uh, unusual or uh, maybe even scandalous um, to the religious institution that required institutional and priestly sacrifice. In other words, I, the way that you came to God is through the sacrifice offered by the priest. It, I'm not Roman Catholic. I never have been. Um, I wonder about, I know that you have to uh, say confession, but I don't think that means that you don't get forgiven if you don't go to confession. Somebody who is Catholic or has been Catholic might correct me on that or say that yes, no, thumbs up, thumbs down. You got still. It's a, it's a sacramental uh, rite of of confession, but it doesn't mean that God hasn't forgiven us totally on the cross. But but this really was that the priests had to offer the sacrifice. You had to come through the priest in order to be forgiven. And so Jesus is really talking about um, 
our personal relationship with Jesus. This is where he teaches us to call God Father, each of us, not just him. Uh, it's doubtful, I think, that Jesus had in mind the sort of individualism that we often espouse in our Western culture. Um, it is clear, however, that God knows us personally, individually, not simply as one of a, of a member of a religious institution, uh, whether it's the Jewish race or the church, but that he knows you individually and loves you uh, individually. So the title for today's class is called Directional Piety. Directional Piety. And that is because where we are aiming our hearts as we practice our piety, our religious practice, is important. And in fact, it's easy, and I will tell you, it's, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it all the time. Easy to let the aim of our piety get shifted. I'm up front a lot doing my religious practice. Uh, people ask me to pray all the time because, why? I, I'm, a prof- I'm a professional. I've been to school for this, right? I, 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 um, I, you pay me to pray. So I, um, so I, I would, uh, people often uh, see me doing my religious practice. And it's very easy uh, for me to be very concerned with what you think about how I do my religious practice. Not just to help you and yours, which is really the goal of what I'm doing, but actually to impress you. And to hope that you feel, or maybe God, you know, in, in my worst moments, but I'm, I'm just confessing here, um, you know, I think, how is this tied, how is what I'm doing here tied to uh, stewardship or uh, attendance or something like that, rather than just having an audience of one? So, who is watching as we, or who do we care who's watching as we practice our faith? Before we get started, any, any thoughts, any comments, any questions that you'd like to see answered? Or maybe it's just me. No, Charlotte. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, I think those when you talk about who do you watching it, I mean, if, if your parents, if your parents, I do think you want to try to set an example for your children. Oh yeah, sure. They see, they see you. They see you. You know, going to church, trying to behave yourself the rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I so I in that regard, I think you do want to try to be obvious so that they'll hopefully follow up. Oh yes, for sure. So Charlotte said, for those who couldn't hear, Charlotte said uh, that we parents want to be an example to their children. The children are watching. Of course, absolutely, I, I wholeheartedly. But, yeah, we don't do it for them, do we? We do it for, for the Lord. There is a sense in which we bring them along. There's also a sense in which everything you do in community, and the reason we come together as a church community is to do it together and, 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 and to be in, in community. We teach each other all the time. We're always watching. But it's the direction of our heart, what's important to us, yeah, that's important. Now, of course, our children are, are certainly uh, important. So just... Um, hold, I guess hold, hold on to that. Let's, let's talk first about giving to the needy. And actually that starts really in verse 2. The, the, the sort of, uh, what's the uh, summary statement or the hypothesis statement um, is uh, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So that's everything we talk about today is, is under that heading. 
practicing your righteousness before other people. The key there is in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father. Thus, first example, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So this is the good part, I guess, of uh, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, which ought to give us a big gulp when we say that, because we know our own lives. But our Father does see in secret when we do things just for His glory. So the first verse, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, with the intent that they be impressed with your righteousness. Anybody relate to that? Just me. Yeah. Liars. Yeah. All right. Um, just, um, it is... Um, and what Jesus is saying is, is their applause is the reward. And for many of us, we, we may never even think that we want more than that. Sometimes it doesn't even um, it doesn't even occur to us that there might be something even better. What it does not say is don't ever let anyone see you practicing righteousness. That would be crazy, right? We want to practice righteousness around other people. How can you love your neighbor? as you love yourself, if, you never, if you're never around them, right? You could never feed the needy if you weren't around the needy. It would be crazy. So uh, we're, it's all about the intention of the heart. And of course, that follows the previous section, where it's not just about obeying the law. It's not just about the outward manifestation, but about who you're doing it for. How do I, um, am I serving myself by, by obeying the law, or am I serving God? Don't do it in order to be seen by them. Because actually that's just a matter of pride, isn't it? C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. I'm, so, I'm not that great. I'm such a bad person. Humility is thinking of yourself less. I mean, think about myself. I, I'm really good at that, actually. So, um... <laughs> that's the thing about humility. It's like the P that you cut with your knife. You can't, you, it, you know, once you got it, you don't, you don't got it, you know. So, um, um, it's, the, it's the really difficult thing about good works, too. I mean, who, um, whom are we serving? And it's easy to love ourselves in our good works, to look for acclaim and praise, rather than to think only of God's glory and God's pleasure and the good of those we serve. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's really um, important to look at our hearts and our good deeds and think, am I, who, am I looking for a pat on the back? Or am I just trusting God with that? Do I want them to see what a good job I'm doing? Or I want them to return the favor? Uh, as, you know, I always laugh about it. I don't know if you're like this, but I can uh, certainly know that... Oh, when, when my um, grandmother, my grandmother, who is with the Lord and uh, loved the Lord very much, but, um, but she, she would give us great gifts. But if we didn't write a thank you note, 
we were hearing about it until I think it doesn't matter if it was June, right? It was, it, it, um, it was, we needed, so, and, and, and I, I never thought anything about that until somebody said, why are you giving a gift just to get a thanking it? You know, like, well, holy moly, uh, you're reading my mail now. Um, so how do we achieve that? How do we achieve the directionality of our heart? How do we achieve not uh, looking around and seeing who's noticing when we're doing good deeds? How do, we, don't, we, do, we don't want to avoid doing good deeds. We don't want to quit doing that. How do we achieve not looking around but just having God as our focus and those we're blessing? You know, I kind of think of it as um, the... Uh, after communion prayer we say today which is kind of my favorite because it has the line in it um, send us out to do the work you have given us to do and I don't think it, of it so much as doing a good deed as doing the work God's given me to do yes yeah Jackie said um, that it's not just so much that we're, we're doing a good deed we don't think about it like that we're just doing our duty right Jesus tells that, that story about the servants in the field you don't they don't. They don't expect for the master to say, "Oh, wow, you were in the fields today. Listen, come pull up a chair." They say, "No, <laughs> do your job and, and say, you know, just say we're unworthy servants, just doing our duty." That is a really good uh, practice for sure. I am capable of even in that statement, hoping someone will be impressed. <laughs> Wow, he is really humble, that guy. Wow. <laughs> Just doing his duty. Bless his heart. Yeah, Josh. You know, I kind of think, um, like, I'll do the Habitat Humanity next weekend. I don't mean that to say, you know, Wow, really? God, that's great. <laughs> hey! Yeah, I've done Habitat Humanity in the past. I hate the part where they want to take your picture, you know, having done that. I, yeah. I really don't like that part. Yeah. And... You know, thinking about that, it's like, I know that the people who you do the Habitat houses for, you have to put this sweat after being there, they're working with you. But to me, in a lot of ways, it's like, I want to empathize with the person I'm like, who I'm giving to need, trying to help. And that's got to be so hard for them accepting that and to have that publicized or turned into something for me instead of something for them. I, I just try to look at, you know, more from their perspective. Yeah. And I wouldn't want it. If I were the recipient, I wouldn't want any, you know, fanfare, any, you know, stuff like that. So try and be as, so, like you said, humble about empathy. Well, you're talking about is empathy. Yeah. You're, you're putting yourself in the shoes of those that you are helping uh, when you're going next week to do that amazing thing that you're going to help with uh, Habitat for Humanity. Um, that is so awesome. You've always been my favorite, Josh. Um, Father Joe, yes. so this, this is almost like a razor blade, it, this, this whole topic. Yes. Because it is just so hard. You can't be the face of Christ without interacting with people, right? So right. if you leave them like some clothes on the side or whatever, you know, it kind of takes sometimes that who does that, you know, like when you do something unexpected. So, so I just don't know how you pull that off. Well, remember how Jesus started his ministry and, and, and started this whole sermon? Repent that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is the key. 
Repentance is how you achieve that directional quality because you are constantly saying to the Lord, I'm just an unworthy servant. And you don't mean that I'm the worst of the worst. You just mean, I mean, serving you is such a great privilege and glory. Why would you even pull me into this? And yet here I am. And you're talking about His glory and not your own. And you're repenting of your own sin, which means you, makes you aware, makes you actually more empathetic with those, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. Repentance is the key to humility. And, um, and when you think you've gotten really good at repentance, time to repent again, right? So um, I can remember a time where I was uh, early in my career, and um, I was at St. John's Church in, on John's Island. This was my first church in South Carolina, right outside of Charleston. And this uh, cardinal rector, which means one of the sort of main rectors uh, of the main churches, had just retired. And where did he go to on the first Sunday after, uh, after he retired? But he came to our church to worship. Great. We'd love to have him. And, um, and, I, was, and I, I was the celebrant. And I was, I, I couldn't say the words because we actually, it was, a, it was a, um, we faced away from the congregation in that, in that. So we always, I would celebrate communion like this, uh, with, like that. And all I could think about was that rector watching my every move. He was the only thing I was thinking about that whole time. I was saying, Almighty God, do you, you know, whatever, but, but it was, I was not talking to God. I was talking to Rick, you know, like that, that guy. And it was, it was, I can remember thinking, like, being kind of ashamed of being so aware of his presence, and yet still really hoping that he didn't notice what a bad job I did and how I messed up on my words because I was, you know, so worried about him. He, he was my fo- focus. Um, and, and so it is, I just think it's very easy. And so how do we, when that happens, I'm not saying don't do it, I'm saying when it happens, Repent. Just bring it to the Lord. And then when it happens again, repent. And don't beat yourself up. Just say, I'm human. And actually, recognizing your own fault in it will, will over time, lessen it. Uh, he talks about giving to the needy, specifically. And uh, I have a friend uh, from college, and I, used, I remember he used to always talk about how his dad, who was... Who's, really probably wasn't that sincere in his faith. They were a well-to-do family. And, um, and he just, he, he said, he would kind of roll his eyes because he said his dad, and anytime his dad would actually go to church, and it would be time for the, the plate to pass, he would kind of go, <coughs> going for his checkbook, and <coughs> kind of making the big rip sound, and just kind of, I just, he says, always, he makes a big show of like, he's giving a check, just like everybody else in the whole church. Uh, that was before, you know, we have text giving and stuff now, but um, but that was just such a, uh, he just, that, I, just a real memory of mine, him explaining about his, his dad going to church. He just wanted to be seen, wanted to be seen. And our church in, uh, in Birmingham, people came to that church specifically to be seen. That was one of our ministry. Um, uh, that was one of the ways we got them in, in the door. It was sort of a society church. And we would preach the gospel right there. And actually the people who were in there, they were important in society, but they, many of them were humble servants of Christ. But it was, um, but that's often how people got in the door, is they wanted to be seen by others. Uh, I can remember um, so many 
uh, times when, when a child was going to be confirmed uh, in the church, and this really doesn't have so much giving to the needy, but um, when a child's being confirmed in the church, the parents always came up in front of the church as well and laid their hands on them with the bishop to pray. And so when that child started confirmation class, guess who was at the gym for the next nine months getting ready to walk up in front of the congregation for two minutes? I promise you that's the way it was. It was kind of awful. I know you're laughing about it, but man, it was the truth. I was like, this is, we got to do something about this. Uh, but I don't know that we ever did. Um, all right, so it says, uh, so let's talk. It is very easy. I think I've made the point. It is very easy to uh, shoot our piety horizontally rather than vertically from our hearts. Why give to the needy at all? Somewhere Paul says, and I didn't look up where you may know where it is, but it says that by um, uh, you're, you're blessing angels unawares, right? You're, you are... Um, you're entertaining angels. You you are. Um, you don't. You never know what you're given to. I always think about the guy who. Um, well, that's not really giving, but just think about the guy who brought Billy Graham to Christ. I can't. There's a story about it somewhere. He didn't really bring very many people to Christ, but he brought Billy Graham to Christ, and Billy Graham brought millions of people to Christ. So, um, that you, you know, it's just you just never know what God's going to accomplish through you just doing your duty. Why do we give to people? Because God's given to us. We, we're loving God and we're loving our neighbor when we give to our church, when we give to other people. We are participating in the character of Christ. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's how He expressed His love for us as He gave His Son. Which is, again, in Trinitarian understanding, His Son gave Himself as well. Alright, I want to... 15 minutes ago, I want to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Um... Jesus and Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. I mean, you know, people say, "Wow, that person's so holy." When you pray, go into your room. This is where I see that personal, intimate relationship. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So prayer actually has two parts. We have this part and then we have the Lord's Prayer. The first part is about who you're trying to impress. Lots of people hate praying in public. Right? Why do you hate praying in public? Because you don't want to look stupid. Right? It's the same thing, y'all. I'm sorry to say it's the same thing as wanting to pray in public so people will see it be impressed because you still just don't want people to, you're still worried about what other people are thinking about you. That's the facts. Um, consider it's basically the same thing. You know God is not going to think you sound stupid. You're worried about what other people will think. So you want them to be impressed with you and you're afraid that they won't be if they hear you pray. So you know what you need to do? Pray in front of people. Get over yourself. Somebody says, I just say, say the blessing. Just do it for yourself. But if you want to pray, and listen, I'll tell you about my experience. There was a time where I quit praying in front of people for a while. Uh, maybe not professionally. I don't remember exactly. I think it was before seminary. But it was like I would be eager to pray. We would be in prayer groups or whatever. And you couldn't get through a prayer without, you know, if it was a, we were just, you know, it was a Bible study. I was going to pray. 
Why? Because I wanted people to think that I was. I, and I noticed that I was kind of. Uh, I noticed that about myself. I would be praying. I was. I was thinking about what is, you know, Patrick thinking or Adam thinking or uh, Heather thinking. What are What are they thinking about when I'm praying? Well, where's my heart? It's horizontal, not vertical. So I just quit for a while until I felt like my heart was right. So if you are, want to pray so that people will be impressed, but you quit praying. If you don't want to pray because you don't want people to think you look stupid, God's not going to think you look stupid. Just pray. Get over yourself. It's easy as that, right? <laughs> just start with one sentence. Lord, have mercy. Just say it out loud. All right. He's not saying, Jesus is not saying that corporate prayer is not good or prayer groups aren't good. He's not saying don't ever pray in groups. He's just talking about the direction of our heart. We're doing it in order to be seen. He's encouraging us to make God the audience of our prayer. So like, for instance, I've had times where I needed to pray, for, I, want, I wanted to pray for somebody um, and that somebody, I couldn't get to them. A lot of this happened a lot in the pandemic. Well, it's, it's actually really nice to hear what people are praying for you about, but I'm not praying um, I'm not praying for to them, I'm praying for them. So God's the one that needs to hear, so I can pray for them. I remember um, seeing, go to a youth event, and they would, um, just for example, uh, the, the, the prayer was often like this. It was in, in this diocese, it, was, but not our, it wasn't our youth. But they said, oh Lord, thank you for Kay, she's just so wonderful, and her hair looks so nice today, and I just hope you'll let Kay know how awesome... It's just talking to Kay. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't talking to God at all. It was just trying to imp- impress, not impress, but uh, build up uh, Kay. So, well, it wasn't Kay, but you get the example. Um, so, uh, he, Jesus is encouraging us to make God our audience. Now, what is the reward? He says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. What is the reward he's talking about? What do you think? Well done, good Mm. Yeah, when you're yeah on that last day, when you finally nothing nothing in this life. No, you're not gonna get the check in the mail because you, you know, went into your. I mean, maybe you will, but um, but I have actually. But it's um, but you you are uh, it's well done, good and faithful servant. That's right. What else? For grace. Pardon me. For grace. For grace. Yes. Yes. That intimacy. Uh, with the Lord, wisdom, the peace that comes, the wisdom. He's got, you know, James says, if you lack wisdom, just ask. What is he going to give you? Wisdom. So the part two is, is um, now actually trying to impress God. Trying to do, God doesn't need to be impressed with you. God needs to give to you. He says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you even ask. So then why even ask at all? Why even ask? Because he likes to hear from you. He likes to hear from you. He's like a family. Yeah, that's right. You know, the God of the universe really loves to hear from you. He really, you know, you know somebody, I, I've, I've talked to more than two handfuls of people that have said, I, I don't pray much, I don't want to bother God with my problems. that's pride that is pride that is just that is pride going around saying it's humility that is what that is pride because God wants your problems what he came here for is what he died for he wants your problems he does it's not like he has more he can handle the more important things too you're not adding to his load right 
Pray like this, Jesus says. Don't worry about many words. Pray like this. Now, the Lord's Prayer is amazing. And it is a, it is, Jesus is not saying these are the words you are to use, but this is the pattern. So I, I use the words. I love praying the Lord's Prayer. And, and I love it because children can learn it early, early, early. But when I go visit somebody in memory care or Alzheimer's, it's almost always in there. We pray with them. I'm just come. I'm not, they won't know what, who I am or what in the world I'm doing. I start praying the Lord's Prayer. There, our Father who art in heaven. It's amazing. You know, love it. So He says, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, trespasses, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." Somebody slipped in there in the King James days, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. But it wasn't in the original manuscript. It's, not, it's still a really good thing to say. So Jesus is telling us to pray simply. To pray simply. He's not, God's not waiting around for you to sound eloquent. Um, sometimes prayer doesn't involve any words. It's just being in His presence. But the Lord's Prayer is five P's. Praise, province, provision, pardon, protection. Praise, there's intimacy. Our Father, who art in heaven, this Abba, you know, this is Daddy, this is um, Jesus inviting us into the relationship that He has specifically with the Father. He's our Father, not because we're human, but because we're Christ's. You mark as Christ's own forever. So uh, we come to Him as our Father because uh, it is through faith that He has made us His children. But that intimacy is offered to us. And, and we praise, hallowed be Thy name. We're reminding, He knows He's holy. He doesn't need for us to tell Him that. He is uh, inviting us to remember before Him that He's holy. And we're not, by the way. We're, praying for, we're praising. Then we're praying for province. That is, that the God's province would come. His is um, that thy kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That in heaven he reigns uh, unhindered and unchallenged. But on earth he certainly is challenged at every step. So we want his kingdom to come. We're not trying to create heaven on earth. There will be a new heaven, a new earth someday. We just want his kingdom to expand. Especially within our family and our friends, our neighborhoods. We want people to, Remember, where's the kingdom of God? The real estate of the kingdom of God? It's the hearts of his people. We want His kingdom to come. And then, before we ask for anything, we're asking, uh, before we're asking for anything spiritual, we're just asking for enough to get through the day. Physically. Our daily bread. Not many people in this room have to wonder about their next meal. Or maybe even have ever had to worry about your next meal. Um, I've had to worry about my next trip to the grocery store, but not my next meal. And so, um, but that, those days are behind me, I hope. And so it is, um, it is always a good discipline to remember that everything you have, and especially if you have more than you need, uh, and you can see down the road, um, and you always have, to remember that that is a gift from the Lord. As a gift. As we thank Him. We don't... I heard about 
a farmer who was sort of snarky about this, and he would, he would pray in front of his family, thank you, Lord, for this food that I grew when I put this seed into the ground uh, that I till. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, God makes it grow. So everything we have is a gift from the Lord. And then the very first spiritual thing that we pray for is forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. A trespass is when you cross a boundary that's not yours to cross. A debt is when you owe something. It's the same word in Greek translated variously. Pray that God would forgive us. And he says this in a way that I think is really challenging. And I'd love to know what you make of it. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Forgive as we forgive. To the extent that we forgive, we are asking you to forgive us. How do you make that? How do you make out for that? What's that? You might hope it went a little further than that. Yeah. Why might you hope it went a little further than that, Charlotte? Because sometimes it's hard to forgive people, you know, things, and you might not always be perfect at it. I mean, you know, you hope. Yeah, you don't have to keep talking. It's all right. I know we know. We all know. <laughs> I said you don't have to keep talking. We all know. Yeah, yeah, we all know. Yeah, it's hard. I think it's kind of reflexive, you know, where they play off of each other, and that's what makes it hard. Is that you know, one side feeds off the other in that statement. Where if we're forgiving to the highest extent, you know, we're would be forgiven to the highest extent, but we're already forgiven to the highest extent, so we should be giving to. It just yes. kind of. Back and forth. Yeah, Josh says it's reflexive, so it's it's playing off. It's kind of playing off of one another. We've been forgiven the utmost, so we need to forgive the utmost, and because we have, that we can receive it. I'll say this: that if we are unwilling to forgive, I mean, let me say no. Let me first put a caveat: unforgiveness can be a sin from which we are forgiven. However, if we are unwilling to forgive, and we really have not understood the gospel. We haven't understood the links that God went to forgive us. We probably haven't thought that He really we had that much to be forgiven for. If we saw that we actually were utterly depraved and were headed uh, to condemnation and hell apart from His intervening grace, if we haven't really seen that, we're basically a good person if His forgiveness doesn't look like it's really that big a deal, then we're not going to be prone to forgive. And maybe in theory, but not in practicality. But if we understood really actually how far God went to forgive us individually. I love, and I've talked about it before, and I haven't read it in many years, but this image uh, from the book, The Shack. I never saw the movie. But this image, uh, this man had... Uh, had lost a child to a murder and he meets God and God walks him through forgiveness and he actually has to he says he says sort of pictures the guy who murdered his child and says I forgive you and he takes one step and he knows he's taking it back and he has to take one step and say, I forgive you. And he takes one more step and he's taking it back. Every step, I mean, not just every day, but like every step of his foot, he has to forgive him again. And to me, that is an incredible act of the will 
relying on the grace of the Father to say, even though I, it, forgiveness is very hard, I know it's God's will and I want to. Even if I, I take it back in the next minute, in the next minute, I'm going to give it over again. Um, why? Because we've been forgiven. I mean, that's, that's the whole deal. That's the whole deal. It is not to underestimate um, the suffering that we've endured from other people. Sometimes we hold grudges for things that aren't really that big a deal. We hold big-time grudges. but uh, And that's more our issue, and we still need to forgive. Sometimes they don't apologize. Sometimes they don't think they did anything wrong. And they, it doesn't say forgive if they've apologized. Forgiveness is actually freedom for you, not for them. Understand the gospel and be a good forgiver. I always tell premarital couples that the secret to good marriage is not communication, it's forgiveness. Good forgiveness. And then the last thing we pray, so we praise, providence, provision, pardon, and then protection. Deliver us from evil. It's actually deliver us from the evil one. <coughs> Is what it really is. And it recognizes that God wants to keep us out of sin. We, we probably don't want to be kept out of sin all that much. But we're asking God to deliver us. Um, just as much as He has forgiven us for it, let's keep us out of, out of it so we don't need to be forgiven. <coughs> Alright. Well, folks, I'd like to talk about fasting. <laughs> um, I really don't. Um, but that's all we have time for. Maybe I'll try to get into that next week. The praise of others is pernicious. Let's focus on the direction of our piety. Amen? Amen. Go to church. And take live nativity photos with you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. It was our pleasure.